All right, let's do it. I'm very excited about this as we're coming to you live from Riverwind Casino on a Friday. I, I feel like this has been a, a two-day countdown to have the conversation that we're about to have with Jason Belzer. Jason joins us, the CEO of SANIL, which is the company responsible for operating the Crimson and Cream, and he joins us live right now on The Ref. Jason, first of all, thanks for your time, man. How's it going? How's the, uh, how's the world of the Crimson and Cle- uh, Cream Collective treating you? Uh, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, Crimson and Cream is going uh, as well as we can hope. Uh, but as you guys know very well, that um, the world of NIL is crazy, and uh, we are just trying to make sure that we can help Oklahoma navigate uh, what is a very, very chaotic time in uh, college athletics. Well, let me start here. What led to the decision – where basically you thought, all right, let's let's get together, let's have a membership drive. What really spurned this on? What was the genesis of it? Yeah, so NIL is um, is many things, uh, but what it is is it is a opportunity for fans to be able to connect with student athletes in ways that weren't previously possible, and. Our philosophy as an organization, and we work with many institutions, but Oklahoma is our largest collective, is that the, coll- the job of the collective should be to help connect student athletes with the fan base. And so when we market memberships to Crimson and Cream, we're not sitting here and saying to the average Oklahoma fan, we want you to come in and donate $10 a month. That's not what we're interested in doing. We want somebody to look at this and say, hey, I subscribe to Netflix. I subscribe to Amazon. Maybe I have a Costco membership. And I get value out of those. And we want to provide that same type of value to the members of Crimson and Cream. And that means that, as an example, if you become a member of the collective, you're getting a multitude of benefits. So every member that signed up gets immediate discounts to over a thousand national retailers. So you can walk into uh, a Starbucks or a Best Buy uh, or a a Sonic and get, uh, you know, 5% off of your bill that gets charged directly back to your credit card. It gets you access to exclusive events. We've hosted many of those, whether they're autograph signings or opportunities to hang out with the team. We are going to be uh, launching a content network for Sooner fans. Uh, So just sort of imagine it as the Netflix of Oklahoma sports, and that will only be accessible to members of the collective. And then there are other opportunities that come along with the membership. And so part of this is making sure that Sooner fans understand that NIL is here And for OU to be successful as it moves into the SEC, we need to be competitive. But we're not just asking people to uh, give up their hard-earned dollars to pay players. That's not what this is about. This is about us creating a conduit for the players to be able to provide value back to the fan base beyond what they see directly on the field. Jason, uh... First off, again, thank you for your time. We're really happy to have you on the program this morning. One of the questions that seemingly the fan base is always wanting to have answered is just how competitive is Oklahoma in this NIL arena? So 
from your vantage point nationally, how competitive is Oklahoma right now? Uh, so, number one, we believe that Oklahoma has the best run collective in the country. Uh, obviously, I'm biased when I say that, but we work with a lot of schools. And um, from an operational standpoint, from an organizational standpoint, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, there's nobody that comes close to what we're doing at Oklahoma. Uh, from a financial standpoint, which is, I think, your key question, uh, Oklahoma is in the top 15 in the country uh, as it relates to financial support. And that is a combination of three distinct buckets uh, of revenue that we are generating. The bucket of the memberships, uh, the people that are contributing on a monthly basis, and we want to continue to increase that number, obviously. The donors that have stepped up to help support the program. Uh, and then the brand partnerships that we have been able to go out and create, the corporate partnership programs, the trading cards, um, and all of that. So at this very moment, Oklahoma is extremely well positioned, but, but there have been people that have been able to step up. The reality is though, that we are competing in the SEC and the SEC has institutions where, uh, the whole concept of NIL was institutionalized long before NIL became legal. And so for Oklahoma, we have to rely more on the fan base than perhaps the majority of those other institutions that have deeper donor pools uh, and maybe more comfort from donors to be able to step up into this space. Um, and so that is why it is incredibly important. And I'm not here to, to you know, spell doom and gloom on anything, but the reality is that if Sooner fans do not commit to helping the institution from an NIL standpoint right now, then the future will not be as bright as we all hope it is. Um, but I will also point to the fact that we have had, we had a, a successful football season. We are having a very successful basketball season. Women's basketball is doing great. Softball is hopefully going to win their eighth national championship. And that's because Oklahoma has not skipped a beat in NIL, and we have to do everything in our power to ensure that that continues. I want to learn a lot, uh, Jason, too, about the not necessarily the process, but the relationship. Jason Belzer is our guest. Uh, the the Crimson Cream Collective has launched a membership drive. You can be a part of it right now. There's information at Soonersports.com, also uh, CrimsonCream.co. I I I want to know about that relationship that you are allowed and, and what you can do in direct connection with the university. I know Toby Baldwin is uh, r running everything whenever it comes to NIL on that stand. I think you guys work a lot together. But, Jason, how have you seen that relationship continue to to grow and, and how much are you guys able to work together? Yeah, so we have a very strong relationship with the university. The university has been very progressive in its um, – stance on NIL, and we, obviously there are rules and guardrails that we have to follow, uh, and the institution uh, is very compliant. Joe Castiglione, I think, is one of the best ADs in the country, but obviously his tenure proves that OU follows the rules and does things the right way. Um, and so 
we can have conversations with the university. We never do anything without letting the university know first that it's going to happen. We want to make sure that we have their blessing, so to speak. Um, but we have to be aggressive. And the other element is that, again, because Sunil works with so many institutions, we have better data than anybody else out there. So um, I, I'll, I'll just give fans an insight right now. When the football season ended, we already knew what the market value was for every single football player on the roster. And we had already prepared and said, hey, we know exactly how much Jackson Arnold is worth. We know what Billy Bowman is worth on the NIL marketplace. We know what uh, Danny Stutzman is worth. And we were prepared to be able to go in and say, now we have to have the conversations. We have to secure this roster. We have to be able to secure uh, the athletes that are coming in. And we have to be able to offer as strong of a value proposition to each one of these student athletes as any other school out there. Um, and that is why um, this is such a well-functioning organization is because we do our work beforehand. We are prepared. Um, and, you know, we, we talked about it last year, and this information has been out there. But, you know, as an example, last year, every single football player received a minimum of $25,000 from Crimson and Cream. And there are very few uh, programs in the country that offer every single one of their student athletes, their football athletes, uh, that type of contract. Now, the average was much higher, and it'll be even higher this year because we are continuing to step up our game in that space. Um, but it's the same concept. I mean, men's basketball, the entire roster signed with us. Softball, the entire roster signed with us. We've done uh, deals with more than 300 student athletes at the university, um, and we are going to continue to put the pedal to the metal and ensure that OU remains as competitive as possible in this space. The other question I think that a lot of fans have is there's just – it's obscure. There's not – it's not visible in a lot of ways to, to fans out there what what figures are we talking about? Uh, you shared some that the mm-hmm. players on the team are getting, but in order to be competitive in, say, football, men's basketball, women's basketball, respectively, what figures are we talking about across the board that Oklahoma needs annually to be competitive? Yeah, so let's just look at it from an overview of the entire ecosystem. So the average P4 collective this year, 2024, for football, will be uh, around $4 million. That's across the power four. When you're talking about the elite institutions, primarily SEC schools, that average is much closer to around $8 million. There are a handful of institutions that are in excess of $10 million. We'll say that maybe the top five to 10 schools are somewhere in the 10 to 12, $13 million range. So that's what we're talking about from a football standpoint. Now, the other element to that is that the majority of institutions that are, let's just make a hypothetical and say Ole Miss, which we know has been doing very well in the transfer portal, is probably in that upper echelon of spending somewhere between 10 to $13 million. They're also operating in a vacuum. And what I mean by that is that they don't have market information. So when they go and 
offer a student athlete a contract, they don't really know what the market is bearing. They're just making a guess. The difference is that at Oklahoma, again, because Sunil works with so many schools, we have market data. So while we may not have the biggest collective, we are uh, we can aim a lot better with the bullets that we have than just any with any other institution in the SEC conference. And so that makes it uh, hopefully um, more likely that we are hitting on the right athletes. That's number one. Number two, basketball, the top collectives are in excess of $2 million. The mid-range is somewhere in the $750 to $1 million area. So if you add these numbers up, just between men's basketball and football, we need to be generating over $10 million a year in NIL to be competitive. If we're not, we're behind the eight ball. That doesn't include any of the other sports. Um, so that just gives you an idea of what has to happen in order for OU to continue to be competitive. And the SEC recognizes this. We all know that college athletics is changing very rapidly. And OU wants to ensure that it stays atop that echelon of the elite sports programs. And so $10 million is the minimum that we have to think about bringing in every year. And that's why we need Oklahoma fans to step up. And the math is not hard. We get 80,000, 90,000 people at a football game. If we can just get 20,000 people to give $10, $20 a month, we've just generated the majority of the money that we're going to need to be competitive in the SEC before we even have to go talk to a large donor. So there's a arbitrage opportunity here as well if the average fan steps up and says, I can make a contribution, and it does count. Every dollar counts because we need to be able to do this. Um, and, if we, again, if we don't, it's going to be very quickly apparent that the program is not in a good place, and it's going to be very hard to catch up. We see that because right now there's an accumulation of talent that is occurring amongst these top institutions. We saw what Ohio State did over the last 30 days in the transfer portal. And they realized the opportunity. And let's not forget that this year we have a 12-team playoff. And you make that playoff, and that brings you more money, and that just creates a deeper moat for your program moving forward. And Oklahoma has to be in the hunt this year for that opportunity. Jason, I know your time is precious. You got time for uh, one more quick one, or do you got to get? Of course. Okay. No, no, I can talk. Okay. Um, what is your vision? And now, not just in this in this push that we're having membership-wise, I think you're a wise dude, so I'm curious. When you think about the next five to ten years, what does Jason Belzer think it should look like from how collectives and, and college athletes and this whole mesh of NIL, how do you think it should look? What do you think should be adjusted or changed? So my vision, I've always been somebody that has long advocated for student-athlete rights. Uh, we are in for a very tumultuous 18 months. Uh, I do not believe that, honestly, the NCAA is in control right now. Um, I think that they realize that they're not in control. The courts are in control of this. Perhaps Congress has control, although I'm not optimistic that they're going to step in and save us. I do not believe that student athletes. Um, it would. I do not believe it would be a favorable situation for student athletes to be employees 
because for the average student athlete, uh, that would create a lot more negative than it would positive. But I do believe that regardless of whether it's an employee or employer situation or not, or it continues to go the way that it is now, there will be substantially more revenue sharing with the athletes. So just so people understand what Crimson and Cream does, when we sign a football player, when we offer them a contract, we are purchasing from them assets. So every single football player on the team last year was required to make 10 appearances on behalf of the collective. And so as an example, when we host an event and we do an autograph signing and you show up as a member, the student athlete is being compensated for that, right? They're an asset. And we are essentially selling that asset back to the fans or to a business or a brand or somebody else. And so that is what the future is. And that's also why when I say that Oklahoma has the best run collective, what I also really mean is that Oklahoma has the best infrastructure in college athletics right now to be able to navigate what will occur over the next year or two. And that is because what Crimson and Cream has done is that we have positioned and created essentially both a front office and a back office for the university to be able to be competitive in the current ecosystem, which is NIL. But if that ecosystem shifts to something else, it's going to be business as usual for us. And the prediction to answer your final question is that it is likely that we will continue to work closer and closer to the athletics department. There will be deregulation in this space, whether by the choice of the NCAA or the choice of the courts, at which point um, Crimson and Cream will just become an extension of the athletics department. But for the average fan and for the student athlete, it's, probably going to just be the same as it is today because of the fact that we have put in this unique infrastructure to ensure that things run as smoothly as possible. Um, and that's why I'm very optimistic for the future of Oklahoma. I may not be as optimistic for other institutions because other institutions don't have the progressive looking leadership that Oklahoma does when it comes to this space. And um, by the time things move, it's going to be too late for a lot of them. Jason, one more from me as well, if I may, if you have time. Of course. The Billy Bowmans, the Danny Stutzmans of the world that you alluded to and mentioned earlier, I think the fan base maybe gets caught up in, okay, this is a blue chip uh, recruitment or a signee, and they lose track maybe of time at times of transfer portal additions or in those instances a, a Billy Bowman, a Danny Stutzman, proven stars at Oklahoma. How much does the Crimson and Cream Collective – how much does it help incentivize a Billy Bowman or a Danny Stutzman to make a decision that, okay, hey, one more year at Oklahoma is right for me? Uh, I think we make uh, 99% of the decision uh, or, or play a, a role in 99% of it. And, and, again, full transparency. When somebody like a Billy Bowman or a Danny Stutzman is making a decision as to whether or not to go to the NFL, or I'll even use the example of a Dylan Gabriel, um, they are looking at it and saying, what is the, it's an equation, right? And it's a risk assessment. It's a, what is, what is it that I'm going to be able to potentially make if I go to the league? Where will I get drafted? Or what can I make if I come back? And for somebody like Dylan Gabriel, 
Uh, Dylan would not likely be drafted in the first few rounds. He knew that. Uh, he would be a late-round pick. Um, and he is making substantially more money at Oregon than he would in the NFL right now. Uh, and so the same concept holds for somebody like a Billy Bowman or a Danny Stutzman. We had to come in and be able to offer them something that made them say, it probably makes sense for me to stay in college for another year. It makes sense for me to be able to continue to improve my draft stock. Um, and it makes sense for me to stay. And that's true across all of college athletics. There is a reason why so many uh, football players and basketball players have continued to now stay in college athletics for so long, um, and that is because NIL, right? We had people go to the draft before, but the draft numbers for underclassmen have, draft, have dropped significantly because of the opportunity that NIL affords those athletes um, and so that's the key, right? If, if Oklahoma wants to be competitive and be able to retain elite talent, we have to have a strong NIL program. We have to continue to raise money, and we have to be competitive in this space um, and create an alternative path for athletes that may be considering going to the professional leagues. Incredible stuff, Jason. And a lot of your time we just took, a lot of questions answered. Most important thing we need to say, get to crimsonandcream.co. Get, re- get signed up today, and it's an experience that will uh, not only help out OU, but also will enrich your fandom, right? It's, it's awesome. Thanks for your time, Jason. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, man, appreciate you. Dude. I would say, first of all, I'm sitting here, and as, uh, as I'm hearing him talk, there's a part of me, there's a part of me, that just thinks we're having a conversation about college sports. It's just my mind is blown, Josh. I mean, literally my old school um, get off my lawn mentality is I can't believe what we're hearing right now. And I want to be very clear. I feel the same way whenever people are talking about gambling, too. (laughs) It's like I can't believe these people are talking about this bet they just made on the air. Don't they know someone could be listening? But – it is – that was a mix of optimism and excitement with a dash of concern, right? And a, a whole-on scoop of, we need you. Let's go. Ah. I don't know. Pretty amazing, man. How you feel about it? I feel great. Jason was a a fabulous guest and really appreciate his time. And again, the obscurity, the invisibility of so much of this, I feel like, okay, now we got a better grasp on it. Okay. All right. We know. Uh, Listen, we we talked to him for 20 minutes, so we got to get a break. When we come back, we'll hit some of your texts on it. Actually, you know what? Let's do this. When we come back, let's, I do have five, a top five stories today. So let's hit that so we can get caught up on everything in the world of sports I like this one, South Dakota Sooner. What a salesman just joined. <laughs> That's doing, man. Show him the power of the ref army. Show him what's up with the plank platoon. Let's go. Crimsonandcream.co. Yeah, a little different. Crimsonandcream.co. Get it? Collective. Uh, top five stories today. Coming up next right here on the ref. All right, welcome back. 
Ooh, ooh, big news this morning, Josh Helmer. I, I don't know if this is – Steely's here, baby. Steely's got the other equipment. You want to shift to the other equipment during the next break, Josh? Do you not like my Comrex? Are you ready to move on? <laughs> Steel man in the house. Okay, perfect. Yeah, put it right there. It's all good. Uh, big news, Josh Helmer. All, uh, it looks like all softball games are going to be on the Varsity Network app this year. How about that? I assume that's big news. Are we still on the air? We are on the air. I'm okay. sorry. I made the fatal mistake of thinking somebody was calling to get on the show, and uh, they, <laughs> they they weren't. They had a question. So I, I'm sorry. Panicky. I missed what you said. A little bit panicky there for a moment. Um, yeah, that's a good point, too, from the doc. The medic of Plank's platoon is wondering when Crimson and Cream is going to hook us up with some hazard pay. <laughs> Needed for those sidelines. What'd you think? What'd you take away from it? Well, I- I'm encouraged that uh, Jason feels like Oklahoma's competitive, right? So right. we can put to rest all of the Oklahoma's not competitive enough in this space. Now, on a blue chip here or a transfer portal signee there, Oklahoma mm-hmm. has a plan, right? Sure. And this is what we've heard, but to hear it from the CEO's mouth that there's a plan in place, they've got data they're looking at, they're not going to splurge in every single situation. And that's just the bottom line. And when he talks about those valuations, I can't help but wonder too, Josh, if there's a situation that a group, uh, a coach might say, we want to splurge, whatever it takes. And I'm sure those situations can happen. Not saying they do. I'm saying I bet they can. All right. Do you want to um, do you want to get a couple of these texts real quick, and then we'll we'll get a break because we're a little bit behind, and I'd like to have some time to talk about the top five stories of the day. Let's do but, it. But uh, the Kenneth Meyer Chevrolet text line is the best way to be in touch with the Plank Show. 405-651-3439. Um, I, I, if you go to crimsonandcream.co, that's that's the website. I'm I'm just. Crimson and C-R-E-A-M dot C-O. Uh, that's the website. $250,000 contribution will be made for every 250 new Crimson and Cream members to directly impact the OU student-athlete experience. Uh, the countdown is at 41 days, 12 hours, 25 minutes, and 51 seconds. You can simply click Get Started up in the upper right-hand corner or become a member. So that's the... Uh, that's the best way to get to it. It's just straight up, crimsonandcream.co. And um, it sounds as if it's resonated with some people. 405 asks a good question, though, Josh. Are they trying to have money endowed, or is it all come, uh, is it all come and go, come in, go out every single year? Well, that would have been a good question to ask. Well, they've... I'm sure that they've got more than just what's in and out every single year, right? You have, a, have to have a base if that's what they're asking. I, I think that's what they're asking. Is the money endowed? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it is, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, w- what we learned is $10 million annually yeah. to, to be competitive in football and men's basketball. Uh, here's uh, one for the 405. $10 million to pay players to be here? LOL. Grumpy Jimmy from BA, really starting to hate college sports. <laughs> and then um, one more is I like how NIL is taking the value approach, but it's still pay for play. Right. And, and again, I think we look at pay for play as something to try to 
take a shot at it, right? And and that's what I've been accused of whenever I say it's pay for play. It's like, well, that you're taking a shot at. It. I'm like, I'm really not. I'm just we're calling it what it is. But that valuation, though, I would I would push back a little bit. I would push back a little bit because I do think there's a valuation that's taken into consideration, Josh, with how they play and what their value is on the field, right? So when you're like, oh, they're taking the NIL approach, well, the NIL is taking the value approach, but it's still pay for play. Yeah, you're, you're right. But, again, it's not there's a value that they're bringing for what they do on the field, which then obviously allows them to be more or less successful when it comes to being able to sell a product or bring a crowd to an event or whatever it might be. Sure. Yeah, so. they, they obviously, uh, in terms of appearances, right, getting getting compensated for that. Julio <laughs> uh, <laughs> writes, it had to be endowed because if it's not what they say is true, we're broke. <laughs> we broke. Um, this is something from Jesse G. He writes, top 15 overall, but the schools generating the most are SEC schools. Read between the line, folks. That means we are in the middle of the SEC at best. Donate. Bro. Jesse G. What a great point. What did what did Jason Belzer tell us? Where is Oklahoma Josh? They're in the top fifteen. But who did he talk about being in the in that top fifteen? Mostly SEC schools. How many of the top 15 schools do you think are not SEC schools? Ohio State, right? Yeah, Ohio State for sure. I don't know about Michigan. I don't know. I mean, probably, right? Probably. Um, maybe I mean, Florida State. Florida State, maybe Clemson. So that would mean and, – and I don't know how much Dabo's pushing people on NIL or not, right? He's got to push back against Portal. But let's just use those four teams. Maybe a USC? No, maybe. Oregon. Oregon? Ugh. So that means, at the very least, that would put you top ten in your own conference. That's As far as that's concerned. That's that's wild. Um, gosh, these, these are good. So cor- this is from the 918. So corporations and entities associated with college football have been making billions, and people are going to Grinch about players making six figures? Screw that. Uh, I don't – are we having a lot of people that – oh, sure. Okay, you're talking about the I hate what college football has become kind of crowd. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm a little bit slow today. We're at the casino, bright, shiny lights. Yeah, that's – I think that that is a fair – to those that are like, I hate this. Like, I'm still blown away by it. I'm not saying I hate it or I don't like it, Josh. Go get paid, man. Go make your money, right? Your value is what someone is willing to pay you. Well, absolutely. And you and I have always been proponents of that. But I understand the frustration from people. Sure. <laughs> I truly do. Well, and I don't even know that it's necessarily – I hate players getting paid in every single instance that we get a tax like that. No. It's I hate the fans. I hate me getting asked to donate to pay players, right? Like and that's so I get it. That that's a that's a lot to ask uh families at times to give up 10 extra dollars a month. I mean, it sounds like okay, that's a, a coffee or this or that at Starbucks, but some people flat out they, they can't they can't, can't do. do that. And can't do. and I think we all get that. 
Can I read? I know we're trying to get the top five in. Can I read a couple more here real quick? Sure. This is uh, from the 405. We got into the NIL talk. We're grateful for Jason uh, Belzer for joining us. I think we all learned a lot about collectives, right? I think we learned a lot about where Oklahoma is. The 405 writes, I think it's only a matter of time until football teams have corporate sponsors and patches on their uniforms. What are your thoughts? I don't, I don't know about patches on their uniform, Josh. I, you get corporate sponsors in other ways. Now, maybe for a group of five schools. Maybe, maybe that's something that you see in mid-major teams. But I... I mean, come on. Call me old-fashioned. Call me old-fashioned, Josh. <laughs> and I, I'm grateful for the corporate sponsors that have the uh, ability to put a sponsor patch on a uniform for any team. I just I don't like it in football. I don't like it. I don't like it at all in football. Well, it's going to be a hard hard time convincing anybody around here that, yes, okay. there should okay, be good. patches on Oklahoma's. If there's one thing, man, I, I, we know this. Don't miss miss me with those alternates. Don't need them right. <laughs> and uh, don't you dare put a patch on this uh, Oklahoma uniform. RS, uh, S. Rob Booman writes, Jason said OU is competitive right now and is positioned to be competitive in the future and react to a rapidly changing environment. But OU's fans – Need to get off their bleeps and start making financial contributions. Are the collective, are to the collective, or OU will be left behind. Welcome to the new world of college football. This, uh, by the way, is a good point. Four oh five, like a Nike swoosh, you mean, or a Jumpman logo? No, okay, now listen, sir, sir, ma'am. That is different. That is style. That is fashion. That's right. Yeah, that <laughs> that is different. Fair point. <laughs> Oh, my, how the turntables, is it isn't, if it isn't the consequences of my own actions. All right, this is good. Let's break. Let's break. We'll roll through the top five stories of the day. Uh, yes, I like this. They already have patches. They're Jordan logos. But, again, they're cool. They're awesome. That's right. Those don't count. Too cool. <laughs> it's the Plank Show right here on The Ref. I'm going to tell you right now, that was a top five most nerve-wracking return from breaks I've ever had. I'm not going to lie. You got me? Yeah. You, you got yeah, me? I got you. you. You got me? Were you asking me nonstop? Yeah, pretty much. I, to the I'm point so where sorry. I think Steely was like, dude, okay, he doesn't have you. Um, I want to hit our, just a, an abbreviated version. I mean, very, in fact, no intro or outro or anything except to say our top five stories of the day are brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Um, and just a couple things I did want to make sure to hit. The big weekend that's ahead of us, Josh. Huge weekend for OU Athletics. It starts tonight in McCaslin and inside the LNC. OU battles Iowa State in the first home wrestling meet of 2024. That's at 7 o'clock tonight. Uh, and at 6.45, the OU women's gymnastics team makes its 2024 home debut as they square off against Denver. We'll see a lot of you out there. Then on Saturday, doubleheader, OU and Tech. The men's game at 1, 6 o'clock for Oklahoma and Kansas. And I mentioned I mentioned Josh yesterday that I had heard finally somebody talk about this horrible story involving two um uh, three chief fans, excuse me, right? That were found frozen to death in the backyard of a 
uh, of the watch party place that they were hanging, found in the backyard of that home, dead, right? And the first place I heard it, where it was finally publicly talked about, was on the rush with Teddy and Tyler. Do you know what else they were talking about yesterday that I don't think we have talked about enough? What's that? The Kayshawn Boutte situation. Boutte? Boutte? Boutte. Tyler McComas has me cracking up about something that has nothing to do with this story right now because of the taping that he has of someone talking about a boutte. Did he Was that played yesterday? Uh, I heard that played yesterday, yes, and I don't remember if it was on the air or not. But real quick, uh, Keishan Boutte was essentially arrested over making illegal bets under the name Keishan Boutte 7. I mean, Keishan Boutte, at least change your name a little bit. Now, remember, he's uh, with the Patriots now, but he was arrested in Louisiana after state police were informed by a gambling company that the records showed that over 8,900 bets were placed by a prohibited individual. And, uh, like I said, he didn't really try to hide it because his usernames were both Keishan Boutte 7 and Keishan Boutte 01. Arkishan, sorry. Here you go. Records claim that in 2022 and 2023, Butte placed over $636,000 in bets, losing a total of eighty-one grand in the process. Oh, my goodness. The receiver also placed specific bets on himself, which didn't go well. Like as Pete Nakos pointed out on Twitter late yesterday, Butte bet he would score a touchdown and rack up 82.5 yards against the Florida State Seminoles, that's the over. It was part of an eight-leg parlay, and he didn't hit on either. All right. So, in other words, he wasn't making illegal bets, Josh. They just discovered, kind of like in the Iowa case, oh, my gosh, this has been happening. Here you go, what, feds, I guess? Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of bets and a lot of money. Wait a minute. Is it illegal? Hold on. I'm, I'm confused here. I'm confused. You well, got you to smart me up. Well, he was underage. You're not, you're not supposed to be able to make bets when you're not 21 years of age. Oh, is that what it was? Okay, okay. Because I, I didn't know that it was because he was under 21. Yes. And, and My then, bad. And then you've got the tampering. Never mind. And then you've got the tampering with records, right, which is you know basically trying okay, to act like you're older you. than 21. Because I didn't know if this was similar to that's how – a rogue FBI agent went and found everything out. All and, right. and it's Thank not you. good either. Now, it's, I don't think, criminal to bet on games you played in necessarily, but uh, without you know evidence that there was legitimate match fixing. Mm-hmm. But he did also, uh, via the reports, he'd, he'd bet on six LSU games. You know what? It's, um, it's interesting because at first when I thought about it, I was like, oh, my gosh. Is this the NCAA? And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> he, he was underage. One other ad uh, before we grab a break to our schedule for the week, and thank you, Douglas Miles. Uh, let's not forget, not only is Oklahoma home on Friday night for their showdown with uh, Iowa State, they're also hosting Northern Iowa on Saturday night at 7. From everything I've heard, Northern Iowa, protect, protect, good. All right. Primrose Funeral Services, final thoughts next right here on The Ref. All right. Before we 
hand things off to Steelman. Let's keep it for a moment, Josh. We got it. We got to pick up like three here. Okay, short game. So we're just going to go mesh point, pull it back, keep it. And here's what I want to know: Who's playing in the Super Bowl? Who you got this weekend? I think uh, it'll be the top two seeds: San Francisco, Baltimore. Boy, I there's a part of me that's really rooting for the Niners to win because I want. Well, actually, I'm I'm calling the Niners Chiefs because I want my my two favorite dudes, Pop and and Josh, to be able to go at it to have Shep yelling at USC Brian, who I think is a Niners fan. But <laughs> round two, round two, and I think it'd be a great game. But there's also a part of me that's here for a Niners loss because of the content it's going to give those debate shows about Brock Purdy. Oh, they'll crush him. Oh, my gosh. And 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 what needs to be the focus this offseason? All right, so you're going Ravens, Niners. I'm going Niners, Chiefs. Most importantly, Josh, the bounce back tomorrow. Got to see it for OU men, right? Yeah, it's a huge game. To, to make this week a – not, not a great week, right, but one that I think we mm-hmm. can feel okay about. Bounce back, get right. Porter Moser said this morning it's the best practice they've had all season responding from that Texas loss. So let, let's see that carry over. Man, I hope you guys will take the time to check out the podcast and our interview with Jason. It was really good. It was really informative. And we'll, we'll teach you all you need to know about the Crimson and Cream Collective. Steel Man and Thune at noon or next. Josh, have a great weekend. We'll you see too. you back in studio. On Monday, thanks to Justin and the crew at Riverwind for having us out right here on The Refs.